We've got the pleasure this morning of uh, finishing a three-week interview series, but something a little extra special this morning. Uh, Pastor Chris Matthews, this is your life. (laughs) No, just kidding. Come up on stage and join me. Please give him a warm welcome. Thank you. Sorry, Jordan. Just uh, handing off responsibilities. So, uh, last couple of weeks, we talked about uh, Pastor Vicky and Carmen and uh, yourself last week, talking about community and um, being like Jesus and discipleship. And so all those fun things. All the fun things. All the fun things. And we're going to dig into community a little bit more this morning. Uh, so, let's start with the Bible. I think it's Good place to start. Yep. Yep. Excellent. So how, how is community portrayed or how is it important in the Bible? Right. Um, can I actually just start with a disclaimer? Can, can I ask you, over the last three weeks we've, we've had this interview series and although it's focused on Vicky and myself, Carmen and Nathan have actually put in a lot of work to uh, help us with this. So can you just give them a hand? Because um, they've put in a fair bit of effort into that. Uh, also, uh, a full disclosure disclaimer here, if, if you like. Um, what we're t- talking about today and what we've talked about over the, uh, the last couple of weeks comes out of, I guess, a journey that I've been on uh, in, I guess, maturing as a Christian. And part of that maturity for me has been delving more deeply into uh, what we're about to talk about, this, this book we call the Bible. Um, and... Uh, I haven't been delving into deep esoteric texts that are unavailable to people and hard to get hold of. Um, I just need to interrupt. What does esoteric mean? um, (laughs) Sort of like um, mystical and um, hard to interpret. It's the the idea that something is special because it's rare or hard to read. I mean, the, the difficulty of attaining enlightenment is all adds to the joy of it. Um, but here, these, these are books that anybody can read. Uh, if, if you want to read a, a good theologian, uh, N.T. Wright is one of my favourite ones, mm-hmm. uh, along with Ben Witherington III. Sounds very pretentious, but he's actually <laughs> really good. And uh, something that's even more accessible is uh, a, a podcast and a um, video series from The Bible Project. Yeah, it's very good. Um, and they have the advantage... Uh, I know there's a lot of podcasts out there about a lot of different topics, mm-hmm. but these guys are just into the Bible. Uh, and they, uh, the reason I like them is they refrain from straying into areas of uh, denominational variation. Mm. They're, they're basically interested in what does the Bible say, how you interpret that is up to you, but you have to start with this is, this is how it came to be. And, yeah. and so my reading and listening to all of this has actually changed a lot of my paradigms about the Bible mm-hmm. and changed a lot of my doctrine. I've come to realise that maturation as a Christian is not just about f- firming your beliefs, it's actually about deepening your beliefs and some of those may change and some of mine have definitely changed. And this mm-hmm. idea of community is one of them because I think we look at the Bible today as individuals with a very individualistic approach and that colours how we read the Bible. Mm-hmm. But if we look, one of the very 
first things you come to realize uh, if you think about it is the Bible was actually written to communities for communities. Yes. It wasn't written to an individual or individuals. Uh, and we know, the second point is we know that God is in the community because uh, from the very first, remember the uh, rescue from Egypt, Moses brought them out into the desert and the first thing God wanted to do was get everybody up the mountain so that he could visit with them. And they all chickened out and sent Moses, one person. And yet God's desire was that all of them came as a community to, to actually visit with him. And so we know that that's part of God's heart. Um, we also know Jesus taught two things, love God, love your neighbour. So that's, I mean, that's, that says community right there. Yes. And we know that all, for instance, the, the New Testament letters were sent out by the apostles to communities. They were read out to communities by individuals, but to communities to be discussed and, and looked over by communities. So that's good. Yeah. So if we're part of community and the Bibles are written to communities, how is it important uh, that we consider community when we interpret the Bible? Um, a, a number of different things. The first is that it encourages an exchange of ideas. Uh, and also I think it encourages, well hopefully will encourage us to widen our, our idea of community. Because in some ways I don't think we as a church have a problem with this idea of community. We have uh, uh, dinner parties yep. where it's good to get together in community. We, we meet together on Sunday as a community and, and uh, we have the gospel preached and we can discuss that. But I think that Jesus and the apostles, their idea of community is, is how about we go and discuss the Bible with the uh, Anglican church up the road? <sighs> oh, we couldn't do that. They think differently. Well, precisely why we should be discussing... I mean, Jesus didn't invent denominations. Mankind did. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things about community is that if we could actually reach out more, we would actually discover we have more in common with people outside our own small community than we do differences. And so I think it's important uh, for that because it encourages a, a wider um, discussion and discourse about the Bible. And the other thing is it stops people being wacky. I mean, you get some people who closet themselves away from community, they read the Bible, they come up with all sorts of weird ideas and then come out and want to be part of a community and won't accept anybody else's. Uh, I think... It's not that our community has to agree with everything they interpret in the Bible, but we've got to be able to have robust discussions yeah. uh, about what we see, how it affects us. It doesn't affect how we necessarily interpret individual passages for ourselves, but it gives us an understanding that if the Bible was written for communities and for communities to discuss, then there has to be value in how we, if, to approach biblical understanding as a community. Yeah. And um, just, you talked about wacky and isolation. Uh, just, I, I think, and I've come to learn that one of the great uh, first signs, I think, of a group uh, who are going down that path and isolating them is when they do isolate themselves. And uh, I mean, there's many examples in history of uh, sex and, and things yep. where they've gone to. Did uh, you say sex? No, with a T. All oh, right. It's say Excuse this. my list. Take <laughs> it. There's more of that than we can count, but go on. Um, where 
it becomes dangerous when they uh, ultimately remove themselves into a pocket, out of, like go out into the country and build their own commune. Yes. And they're not part of the world and part of the, the broader community around and, and kind of have that, that discussion or that, that ability for others to, to feed into the, to their view. Yeah. So Definitely. how does a uh, biblical approach to community impact the world around us and being um, a part of that world? Well, I, I guess who's heard that term, you know, we're, we're better together. Uh, I, I think that, that's part of uh, the whole thing. Um, the first thing that happened in, in the New Testament on, on the day of Pentecost was that um, you know, thousands of people got saved and they, start, they formed what we, we could call Jesus communities. And that's where our first traditions, I guess, of church came out of because we read that in the book of Acts that they, they worshipped at the temple together, yep. they visited people's homes together, they prayed together, they ate the Lord's Supper together. Mm. They, they actually came out of, because the Jewish culture is very community orientated. And so what they had to do was actually form new community because um, although our salvation is an individual thing, we actually need to be part of a community of believers to actually grow and develop in that uh, and to, to be, actually be able to outwork that. You know, there's that whole thing about the disciples, uh, uh, the believers banded together, put uh, co- goods into a common area so that people uh, without mm-hmm. food or, or shelter or whatever, poor people, could, could take advantage of that. So that can only happen in community. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that was the start uh, of the New Testament church. Uh, yeah. And, and so in terms of those those basic foundations, read the word, study, worship, eat, kind of do community together, that might be what we think of community. Uh, in, our, in our current context, what, what other ways uh, today people here, how can, as well as worshipping together like we are today, what, what are some other ways that we can be participating uh, in church community, but also community around us. Poor. Let me count the ways. <laughs> um, okay, Let, let's take our current situation. We've just gone through a pandemic which has isolated mm-hmm. a lot of us. Yeah. And I think if we look pre-2019, our, our idea of community was basically uh, our um, dinner parties during the week... Yeah. And church on Sunday was, were big community uh, gathering events. Mm-hmm. And the pandemic basically crushed that idea. And yeah. coming out the other side, there are some things we can pick up again, like dinner parties, uh, I think, is something that we can, we can pick up um, and, and increase our community activity with those. But when it comes to Sunday, we've actually got to start thinking differently because not only has the church community, but the wider community has changed its value system on, on the, not only the importance of getting together, but the dangers of getting yeah. together, if you like. Mm. Um, and so I think we need to come up with, I mean, we've got an online presence right now, people who you know, are feeling unwell, who haven't had a test or, yeah. or, or, or can't get to church, have that option uh, to view a service online. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great, but uh, I mean, most people who are watching are watching either as a couple or a family or alone, uh, which makes it really hard for community. Mm. So we've actually got to come up, I think, with new ideas and new strategies uh, 
to actually increase that idea of community. And sometimes that's with planning. Uh, you know, we've, we've planned our services so that, you know, it, it's safer p for people to come. But I, I think we, we need to look at, you know, why are we gathering together? Who, who are we actually worshipping? It, yeah. it, it's, it's Jesus. And so we need to look at other, other ways we can get together and focus on our relationship with God. Now, prayer is another one, which yeah. is obvious. Um, and depending on how people are feeling, I think other, other meetings, possibly smaller Bible study groups, you know, um, uh, getting together to talk about scriptures, not something we've done a lot of in our church in the past, but we've got to look for new ways for people to get together to actually discuss that. And so I don't have all the answers to that. And I think that will unfold in the future. But I think we have to hold on to a vision of making sure that we as a community can get together. But we've also got to make sure that that is open to the wider community. So yes. I, I think it's a question of being of one mind and one vision, but also of being open and welcoming to people yeah, who absolutely. don't know that vision. And, and I think um, it's good reminder around parts of that, what we put on to create community by the schedule that we have and yeah. dinner parties. For instance, uh, dinner parties aren't really, uh, the intent of them is not for us. It's not for the people here. It's not for the members of the church. And maybe you've heard it before, maybe, maybe you haven't, but the purpose of dinner party is to create a, uh, a space and something that is very familiar, dinner party, um, bring, bring them together, have a chat about, like, th there's the part where we bring the Sunday message, we discuss it and we apply it to our lives and, you know, the verses that are in there in a very conversational way. Uh, but it's very intentional about creating a very familiar environment. So uh, Ash shared last week about somebody who, who came along who was craving community, didn't have a lot of connection uh, in, in Adelaide after having moved here. And it's exactly... People like that and the people in my world, your world, we've got the, the one on Sunday afternoon, Kirsty Mansion, for, uh, that is more suitable for families and can c yeah. come along at a time that's more suitable and we're trying to create, that's the space, if pe people aren't familiar or comfortable with you know, going to church because of all their preconceptions about yeah. it, we, we, yeah. we're creating that space and that bridge from the community to the church, from the wider community yes. to the church community. And I think if, if you interpret what we read in scripture on the basis of the importance of community, it actually changes how, how we interpret things. Uh, because if, if we read um, certain scriptures in the Bible um, from a, a personal point of view, mm. It has a much different interpretation than if we recognise that that particular scripture uh, was written to a community. Now, unfortunately, at the moment, my mind's gone blank on any New Testament examples, but the one that I've used before and that um, uh, is quite relevant is that, that line in Jeremiah where it says, you know, I know the, the plans you have for me, they are plans for good and not for evil. Mm. Now, it's, it's, it's okay to take that as a personal sort of mantra and a belief that God has the best in his heart for us. But that was actually written to a community that was going into exile. In fact, most of those yeah. people who heard that prophecy that God was, was going to bring good into their lives, not evil, died in the exile. So it wasn't a very good personal prof prophecy. No, no. But it was actually written to a community to encourage them that out, out the other end of that exile, 
they were have to, going to have to go through that, but God had the plans for the future of that community that were going to be um, allowing them to prosper and, and rise out of that. And so we can, we can uh, interpret that scripture in two different ways, but we need to recognise that no matter how we interpret it, the, the writer of that, that line, the, the, the prophet Jeremiah, was actually speaking to a community knowing that they were going to go through a terrible time, but God was going to bring them out the other side. And so we, we need to have that in the back of our mind, if, if when we, even when we take it on board personally, uh, not, to, not to actually think that God's plans for our lives are not going to involve trials and tribulation. Um, because that's, if we take that scripture like that, we're going to be disappointed. But yep. what, we do, what we can take it as saying that no matter what we're going through, God is going to bring us ultimate victory in the end. Uh, and as a, at a personal level, I think that's fair enough interpretation of that as well. So we, we, it does change ha- our mindset as to how we view certain scriptures. Yep. I mean, even Matthew, Matthew 12, 12, I think it is, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I think that's the New, uh. King, that's the new King James uh, reference to that. That used to be my favourite scripture because I thought it basically said that as Christians we could violently come into God's presence and, and have his spirit empower us and we could be f- soldiers for Jesus. And it, was, and it turns out it means nothing like that. <laughs> um, because the, the way I'd read it and interpreted it, I'd forgotten that, uh, as many of us do, I think the Bible wasn't written in English. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's actually a, a warning that people will attack the kingdom of God with violence and we actually have to stand up to that violence. Mm. So it's not about us being yep. violent at all, which is a great disappointment to me. <laughs> in, in, uh, and it's now only my second favourite scripture. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it makes a difference uh, how we view the Bible if we recognise that community aspect. And um, something else which you may not like to talk about as the pastor, but um, uh, another way I see of participating in community is serving. Uh, and, and so, yes. you, you know, as... As the pastor getting up and talking about serving, like you may feel uncomfortable in that, or other people might go, oh, you know, here's the pastor asking for help. Or, but it's there's, it's actually there's, there's talked about a lot in the Bible. And, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunities to serve, and I'm just kind of sharing some of my, uh, I guess, story in church is. Uh, so we, we have community in terms of the dinner parties we've talked about here on a Sunday morning. We go have morning tea and tea and coffee afterwards. And there's community and conversation and kind of building relationship. But for me in, in time, uh, I, I feel like I've built the strongest community and bonds and friendships by serving with people. Uh, I've it's it's benefited in a number of ways, but it wasn't the benefits I was seeking. They just come as a result. Uh, I've developed skills and uh, been exposed to opportunities that have actually uh, helped in the workplace uh, in terms of like helping with audio, visual, and yeah. tech um, things that I naturally gravitate towards. But also being exposed to doing things on stage and public speaking, and you know, you, you give presentations in a workplace, yeah. and people are like. And I talked to George about this a bit, and they're like, "How you're so confident? Like, have you yes. done this before? Yeah. Or just once or twice?" Couple, uh, couple um, of times, yeah. <laughs> but also, it, it's the, the moments uh, behind the scenes, like in, in terms of doing the tech, where we might do a Saturday afternoon and evening where we 
pack down the stage and reconfigure everything or we run the Christmas event coming up for Christmas Eve, uh, conferences in the past and yeah, yeah. based in Sydney. Um, so how, as a pastor, how, how important is it to, uh, and what do you see the benefits of people serving in, in, in a way of forming community? Uh, that's, that's a very good question. Um, I th- think this, this, this runs into the uh, other thing that interpreting scripture as a community does as, a, as opposed to an individual. And this may be, be just me, but I, I've seen it in a few other people. As we read a Bible, as, as we read the Bible as individuals, we see it often as a solution to our problems. Mm. Um, whereas if we read it as a community, because there are so many different people out there, what it turns into is a tension to be managed. Yep. Because there are, there are going to be different ways we interpret the Bible, different things we do. People are going to think differently. And rather than seeking a conflict because it's, you know, uh, no, no, I've solved the problem this way, you're a part of the problem because you haven't, it's a question of, okay, well, I don't see it that way, but I'm glad you do, and I'm, I'm happy that it's working for you. Let's work together with that. Now, volunteering comes under that same idea of attention to be managed. Uh, as pastors we have in the past, and, and I think it, it's something we, we grow into, it's this idea if you vol- find a volunteer for a spot, you've solved a problem. And often that volunteer uh, becomes uh, overlooked, overworked, yeah. jaded, uh, all that sort of thing. And, and we get a lot of fallout from that sort of thing. Mm. And so what we're, we're trying to move forward with is this whole idea that it's great to serve God, but we, we are more and more trying to be aware that as people serve, it should help, help them grow. Yes. And so we're constantly watching, and we don't always get this right, but we're trying to get people uh, involved in a task such that it gives them uh, joy and fulfilment. Yeah. Now, we're struggling because volunteerism in the world is slightly different. Uh, we suffer from the same things that people like, I know Liz, who is the head of volunteers at the Royal Adelaide, I think it's the Royal... Women's and Children's. Women's and Children's. Women's Health One Network. of those really big, wonderful hospitals. Um, the big problem that she has with volunteers is volunteers think that volunteering is an optional extra in their life. And if they're not feeling like it that day, they don't come. And, yeah. and, and so if you're organising a big hospital and you've got people who are flaky, um, that's really hard to, to actually cope with rosters. And, you know, the people in our church who do rosters will agree with me that, you know, sometimes it gets very difficult. Mm. And so we've got this, this organisational structure on one hand, uh, which we want to keep as easy to work yeah. as we can. But on the other hand, we have people's... Uh, spiritual, mental and uh, emotional growth that we're uh, in charge of as we help them serve God. And so there's, there's this constant tension and, and the, really the only solution to it is communication. Yeah. Uh, most people, uh, and this goes a bit beyond volunteering, but most people who leave the church disgruntled or, or uh, are unhappy with what they're doing in church, uh, w- when they when they either leave or complain about it, it's often the complaint is, well, I'm sick of this, I'm, st- I'm not doing it anymore, or I hate this church and I'm leaving. But nobody, and I don't know, it's different for us because we're the pastors, but very few of those people have ever talked to us 
before they've made that decision. They're very few of them have ever talked to their team leaders or anybody else mm. in, in the leadership because um, there's this whole idea that, that, that you can't complain uh, or that your, your concerns are not going to be listened to or whatever. And I think we've got to break, break yeah. that down. Um, the answers you want aren't always going to be available, but I think it's far better to talk about your issues and problems before they become the point where oh, I don't like this, I'm leaving. Um, and, uh, you know, Vicky and I have been blindsided so many times by people who have come and said, well, I don't like the way you do this, so I'm gone. And it's like, well, you could have come and said, yeah. you know, we, we're not... And some of the things are things like, well, we're not tied to that. If you really think it's important, we don't have to do it that way. Um, but people don't communicate. And I think yeah. communication is the key. If you're going to volunteer... Um, you need to be in constant communication with your team leader about how you're feeling. Um, you, you need to be diligent about letting people know when you're unavailable. Um, but you also need to respect uh, the idea that if, if you're rostered on on a Sunday, uh, people are relying on you. And so, as you can see, there's no one solution to everything. It's all attention to be married. To be married? Well, <laughs> that too. Um, but it's all attention to be managed. And the only way to manage that attention is with communication. And so I encourage everybody who's serving to, to communicate with, with people about things yeah. there. It's, we don't all have to be happy clappy and only talk about God and Jesus and the Bible in ways that make us happy. We, we need to be talking about our struggle with things. There are scriptures in the Bible that I read and think, far out, I don't, I don't yeah. know how to cope with that. Um, and rather than bottle it up, you need to go and talk to somebody. Nathan, have you read this? How do you cope with it? Oh, Oh, I've always thought this. Oh, I never thought about that. that I mean, it opens the discussion. We've got yeah. to learn to be open-minded, I think, rather than closed-minded. Yeah, and I think through the communication and those experiences when you're working with team leaders and teams, that's where you build stronger yeah. relationships because nothing's ever perfect. But yeah. uh, if, if anybody's feeling slightly disconnected in community, uh, look at volunteering, look at serving and, yeah. and find something that you're called to or you're gifted in, hospitality, kids, music, yeah. um, audiovisual. I mean, don't greeting. get me wrong, there's, a, there's an element of sacrifice yeah. in, in all of it. Um, um, but, yeah, I, I feel I would certainly experience you build community through those shared experiences and the yeah. relationships. And uh, sometimes you get maybe surface-level community just coming along on a Sunday morning uh, or just attending yeah. dinner party, but to really get that depth of relationship, you're kind of in the trenches doing things together, yeah. having fun and rubbing off on each other, iron sharpening iron. Yeah. Uh, last couple of thoughts, given our uh, current times and just uh, the, the need for community, there's the world's changing lots, you know, just... Yeah, at a political level, state level, national level, there's different decisions coming out all the time, uh, just in, across the world as well. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of instability at the moment, there's a lot of change. Yeah. So uh, could you talk to us about the importance of community uh, to provide stability and um, through changing circumstance, what community does for us? Yeah. Well, that almost sounds like a, an oxymoron, you know, stability and change. Mm. Um, but uh, stability is good and change is necessary. Um, and change can be good. For instance, uh, Solomon built God's temple. He didn't do it on his own. 
He did it with the nation, the nation of Israel, uh, even Lebanon next door gave them the wood. Um, there were, they needed that focus as a, as, as a nation and as a community to actually build something good. And so I think as individuals, we can't build anything nearly as powerful as we can as a community. Yeah. So just, just to add another one to that, um, with the Tower of Babel, uh, that, well, yeah. you know, the, the people were so unified and so powerful together as a community that uh, they, were, they thought they were like God and building to heaven and so yeah. God had to sort of split them up into different languages because their community was so strong for the wrong purpose. Exactly, but, yeah. Uh, that shows the strength of unity and community. And it also shows what happens when a, a community is divided um, because mm. they, they scattered. Uh, and I think that's the other uh, thing about st- the stability of, of a church community is when persecution comes, when outside influences uh, affect the church, uh, rather than, I mean, and, and what happens a lot, of course, is we all see individual feeds on Facebook, TikTok, um, Instagram, uh, some people even watch television and the news, I'm told, um, <laughs> and, and we get this barrage of information that affects us personally. Uh, and I think, you know, as a Jesus community, we are called to actually take that on the on the chest together as a community, and to sort out, you know, our, our reactions to that as a community rather than in, as individuals, uh, because we're called to action, not to reaction. And I think, you know, a, a lot of what we're hearing today encourages us to react instantly. Yep. You see a post, you react, um, yep. and. I've seen lots of posts about things that I don't particularly feel strongly about, but you go through the comments and it's like World War Three has started. <laughs> um, and I think that's the sort of thing as a community we need to to be discussing together and, and, and being encouraged together to actually um, to, to recognise how, how to actually act and, and react to these things. Yeah. Because it's easy as... It, I mean, there are things that happen that make my blood boil. And and they're things that possibly other people of you don't care about um, because they don't affect you. But, for instance, a lot of the medical misinformation that's going around, uh, especially from people in the medical profession, uh, really annoys me because I spent 20 years doing medical research. Now, doctors don't do research. Nurses don't do research. Research is a a different beast to medicine. Um, And when... People come out, and I apologise to any medical professionals who are online or listening to this, but as a researcher, one of the biggest things that we discovered that, uh, that, that and it, this is across the board, I know, that, that doctors are crap at research, basically, um, because they, they, and medical professionals as a whole, care about people. And that's, I mean, that's a great, who wants a medical professional that doesn't care about people? Not me. (laughs) But research has to take away that care and and look at the facts and the statistics and actually do really, really careful statistical analysis, uh, stuff that you don't see on Dr. Google. Um, And so a lot of the misinformation that comes out just makes my blood boil because I actually have worked in that field for 20 years, mind you, so I wasn't an amateur. I have 14 published papers peer-reviewed scientific papers with my name as a co-author and an author on them. So I'm not talking out my backside when I talk about this stuff mm. and I refuse to get angry about it. Um, <laughs> so how does, how does community help when the blood's boiling? Um, because my recognition is that not everybody else here has that same experience. Yeah. Um, 
and that people are only expressing their uh, emotions and it's okay to do that. Yep. And I, what, I have, what I've learned to do is, is not to react to that. Yep. I mean, I, I've, that's the first time I've actually spewed in public about <laughs> any, any of that stuff. Um, but it, that's just me. <laughs> and I don't expect everybody else to feel that way, yep. to have those things. And I think what my job as a, an individual is to come a, a, a up against the, these things and think now, how do I act in a Christ-like manner? Yes. And how do, I, how do I still build my own community and how mm -hmm. do I reach out into the wider community yep. with what opinions is it important for me to actually project? And so I think as a community, as individuals, we can say what we like, but as a community, I think we need to have one, two things in mind. One, how does that affect the people around me in my community yep. and how is that going to impact uh, the people I'm, I'm drawing to Christ? Yeah. And I think that, that's the basic... Yeah, and I think I uh, shared three, four weeks ago around uh, <clears throat> ideologies and opinions, and if we're sharing those and to, to the point where it's distracting from us being a disciple and a discipler of yeah. people coming to Jesus, then uh, you know, that, that shouldn't get in the way of people seeing Christ in, in us and um, kind of weighing up their opinion or their assessment of, of our life and that representation of Christ. And we look at time. Ten years' time, we'll all be laughing about it. Trouble is, we can't see that now. We actually have to take that on faith, and I think that's one of the, that's part of the faith. You know, knowing that God has things under control doesn't mean that they look like they're under control right now. <laughs> uh, would you like to close this out with um, just reflections on Jesus and yeah. community? And well, yes, uh, actually, the... what I'd like to do is read you John three sixteen and beyond, um, because. This is something which I think is quite, it reflects what we talk about as community. Because it starts off, everybody knows, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so that's our, that's our salvation prayer. You know, mm -hmm. as, as an individual, that tells us that, you know, if we believe personally in Jesus Christ, we can have eternal life. But it goes on and says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And so he's, he's immediately gone from the individual to the crowd. And so, you know, there's, there's an emphasis here on, on community. And he goes back, there's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing God's one and only son. And so getting back to the individual, it shows us that we need to have this a faith in Jesus and that God has acknowledged that faith in his son is the one and only way that we come to connection with him. And it says, um, and it goes on to talk about God's judgment uh, because God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins would be exposed. Um, but those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see they're doing what God wants. And so, although our salvation is individual, the impact of our salvation is actually designed by God to impact community. And I think this, this, is, this is why it's important for us to think as a community and to act as a community, because although our, you know, we come to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ enters our heart. 
we make an individual um, statement of belief and a pledge to follow Jesus that is ours and ours alone. But when we combine that, that is what I believe it says, but um, those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see what they're doing, what God wants. And I think that's, that's where community comes in. Because although we, uh, we all have different individual uh, salvation experiences, it's all the same God. Yeah. And he has the same plan written in Scripture for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, as I said the, the, the other week, I think the, the Bible is a unified story which leads us to Jesus. And the fact that it's unified means that the, the truths in the Bible apply to all of us mm-hmm. to the point where we can actually be in community. But we have to join that community as individuals. And I think that's, that's, that's the, the power of salvation. That's the power of making a decision. And, you, I mean, every Sunday we give people an opportunity to make that decision. And it's not just a, a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal saviour. It's a decision to join a Jesus community. And so I want to give people that opportunity right now. If you're online... You need to think about the fact that as an individual, you have a decision to make. I like what Jay John said in one of his recent posts. A lot of people who have questions about Christianity get to the point where their questions are not because they need to discover more. Their questions are a way of, of putting off the fact that they need to make a decision to follow God. And so I think you know, every person, if you're watching online and, and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you're here this morning and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, whatever questions you may have, you need to think, am I just asking these because I know I have to make a decision, but I hate making decisions, so I'm putting it off? Because it, it's not helping. It's not helping you and it's not helping the community see the power of God in you. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning. If, if that's you online, there's a, there's a button that'll appear in the chat which just says raise hand. Uh, that'll indicate to our, our host that y- you want to take this a step further and they will help you pray a prayer that'll invite Jesus into your life so that you can start that walk. It isn't a ticket to heaven. It isn't a, 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 one, a one-step process that brings you, you know, salvation for the rest of your life. It's actually the opening of a doorway to start a walk with Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning, I encourage you to do the same thing. There will be people up here after the service and they will be there to pray for any prayer needs you may have. But you need to come up to them and say, look, I just want to accept Jesus. And they will pray a prayer with you to do that. And not only that will that bring the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, but it will actually enable you to connect to a Jesus community, hopefully as, but it's not a prerequisite. Um, I like to think it is, but I'm biased. Um, and so I just encourage people to do that, to, to actually make a decision, to start that process, because I believe that that will not only have an impact on our church community, because every person who joins our church community contributes to it, hopefully in a positive way. Um, but there's, there's growth, there's, there's change, it's not just a question of sitting, warming a pew or going to dinner party and letting things flow over your head. It's actually becoming involved. Letting your voice be heard, but letting other voices speak into your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, and so uh, I encourage you to do that right now if you're online and after this service finishes if you're here. Very good. Well, can we thank uh, Pastor Chris and Vicky for sharing with us for the last three weeks? Um, been fantastic to hear uh, Pastor's heart for following Jesus and discipleship. And um, thank you, Kirsty. I'll hand back over to you.